it's not just about appearance. We are different, so you're going to feel different. And what happens is like those things you heard are going to become more real. Like, oh, I am not good enough because I'm not doing it the right way. I'm not doing it like them. It's, it's easy to internalize those things. And I've done it long enough to, to know that it's a lie because, in fact, you not only belong, you are necessary, you're needed, you're going to make a difference by showing up to this masculine environment and just being yourself. Welcome to Strings Attached. I'm Asaf Moz. My guest today is a great musician. She's on primetime TV since many years and is still down-to-earth, happy, and very smiley person. She's a role model for many younger women, and I'm so happy to get to sit with her for a chat. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss anything. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, so my name is Hagar Ben-Ari, or in the US, Hagar Ben-Ari. <laughs> uh, I'm a bass player. I grew up in Israel, and I moved to New York, to the US, um, 20, exactly 20 years ago. Uh, I've been kind of a professional bass player for many years, um, doing so a lot of mostly touring with different bands. I played with a lot of bands in New York, some amazing bands, and did some Broadway recordings, all sorts of professional work as an electric bass player. And then I moved to L.A. Uh, seven years ago to do the Late Late Show with James Corden, which is a house band, a kind of like five-piece band, dream gig, kind of retirement for a musician. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to take you back To your childhood, maybe, do you remember any moment that that you met music and made you kind of happy you you thought to yourself, "Wow, this is so beautiful absolutely. I have all these weird memories. I'm sure you have the same thing because I feel like when you're a kid and you discover music, it's the most pure experience. So one thing I used to do. <laughs> you remember landlines like before cell yeah. phones, right? We grew up, we're old, <laughs> so You, you pick up the phone and there is a tone and I would as a kid pick up the phone and harmonize the tone Wow just making music out of whatever it's weird but it's it's kind of lovely and one day my dad picks up the phone he wants to make a call and he's hearing this crazy sound and he's like we gotta you know she should start playing an instrument because clearly so yeah there's like The music was always there and and the the way music made made me feel was kind of mind blowing i would I would like find a song and then play it in repeat for weeks. I love it because I love the way it felt and i i still i think my my connection to music is very emotional like i i I'm educated i i, I I've done like both classical and jazz education, but, but I still would just listen to a song because I like to feel a certain feeling. And at what point did you decide? Do you remember this moment? I remember myself that I had this moment when I was 14, 15, that I told myself, okay, Asaf, from now on, you're taking it seriously. This is what you're going to do. Did you have any moment of, those, uh, of this sort? Um, so... I wonder, I wonder if there was an actual moment because 
I remember clearly being in Talmaelin, which is this great high school we both went to, actually. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing school where you actually get some real professional experience as a kid. Like some of Israel's biggest talents went through that school. So I remember being in that school at that age, seeing clearly my dreams, which was I'm going to tour the world playing bass with the biggest singers, the bigger stars, whatever. I had this, I mean, when you're a kid, it's kind of, it looks a certain way, but yeah, the, the, the desire to do it professionally and to do it on a big stage before I even, like, I didn't know other people around me who, who did the same. Like, it felt, maybe it's different with the internet today. Things are, have changed. I didn't know anyone who toured with bands. You know, even my like my teachers in like who were incredible. They they maybe they went to New York and played, and I admired them. And but to me, it seemed like I have this stupid dream. It's like I don't know how, but I don't care because it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of how I remember it. I don't remember the decision to get serious. I, I I was I was very I don't know if serious. I was very driven. I was like ambitious and and. I was full of dreams, basically. That was my juice. Like, I wasn't even realistic. I just sort of saw crazy things happening. So here's one dumb question for you. It took me many years. I'm playing in orchestras and groups and, and pop music. It took me many years to realize that there is an importance for the bass in the group. What's the bass part for you or for, for the listeners? Why should one... even use a bass in a, in a group, in an orchestra or in a, in a band? What, what, what do you do? It's, it's not a dumb question. It's a great question. Because the thing is, if you're not a musician, it depends also on the style of music. But in general, people don't necessarily hear the bass or understand exactly. its function as, yeah. as well. But the bass very often drives everything else. It's like this secret sauce, you know? Um, so, of course, it depends on the music, and I feel like there are many ways to answer this, but um, so I think one thing that attracted me to playing bass is that it sort of is a merge of two worlds, of rhythm and harmony, right? Like rhythm, groove. So I, as a bass player, I play with the drummer. And now, now this is not classical world, obviously. That's okay, it's good. But even in classical, in a way. But for me, it will be the drummer and me. laying down a groove and it's purely rhythm and, and it's like something I absolutely love and it gives me so much joy you know and then the emotional like the harmony as bass you you know the chord the harmony hasn't been decided till the bass note is there it can be many things but once you have the bass it's you know it's decided so so I think for me I I've never been someone who seeks the To be in the front of the band I never wanted like to be to get all the attention I, I enjoy making music making art with people as sort of a group effort I think a bass player not all but but in general it's like you listen to the rest of the band and you sort of create something all with everyone else which fits my personality well and is also so important so so the bass player yeah like in like rock world for example he doesn't get the same credit often as the guitar player but in fact uh, you know he drives the whole thing and it wouldn't sound the same without the bass player and, and last thing I'll say about this 
because you got me excited about talking about bass, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't love it, it would be a sad thing. But the thing with these crazy low frequencies, yeah, that not every not everyone hear like clearly those like low notes, but it's such a powerful like what a powerful thing to be able with your own instrument to shake a room. I mean, talk about. And I also, this is not what you asked, but I think it's very feminine. I think the bass is very feminine. How so? Look at, first of all, look at the body of the bass. Of a, of a double bass? Either. Okay. Either. It's curvy. Okay. But also, like, women, like, all right, we carry a baby in here. Yeah. It's like the baby swim in this, like, waters. It's like the womb. It's, it's a low frequency. Like, think about, like... I don't know, now I'm like sounding crazy, but, but for me, it's, it's very feminine. Back to bass, I think it's round, it's deep, it's like, I, for me, it's very feminine. So that's the last thing I'll say about it. Sorry, you're getting long answers. No, no, I love it, I love it, I love the, the, the comparison to a woman. Because many times when, when we play the instruments, we would say for the violin, you know, like it's a baby, and then the cello would be the... the the papa mm -hmm. and the bass would be the grandpa. So in your yeah. case, it would be a voluptuous woman. Yes, in the band, I think, but that's my, this is not a real, like that's my take on it, where the guitar and the drums are more masculine and the bass is more feminine. But that's just me. <laughs> I don't know, if anyone thinks that way, let me know. <laughs> okay, coming up to this, to this conversation, I was talking to some people about you. And the main thing that came out was she has got fantastic groove. Is groove something tangible or is it something you can learn to groove or you can just have it as a, as a talent? I guess groove is very similar to dancing because uh, the same way that different styles of music make people move in different ways, when we play music that's supposed to make people move, you know, Uh, it's it's the same thing, but how do you make people move with what you play? There's no way of teaching that. But all you can do is like say, tell someone, "Hey, listen to this record," and the way you feel, that's what you want to do. You know, when you play, um, do you feel that you have the power to make people move, or the ability at least? Yes, I I I don't you know I don't claim to be the groove genius or anything, but I sort of been in that world a lot. Um, now I'm just sitting on a chair making people laugh on TV, so, <laughs> so it's like I retired. But before that, like, for example, I was with a band for four years called Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. If you don't know it, check it out. Uh, sadly, Sharon passed away, but um, they do uh, like this. They make this amazing old school funk soul music. And it is the kind of music that you, you have to move. And the bass, you know, playing bass in that band it was purely about groove and rhythm. So, heaven. We're sitting now in L.A., in the middle of this huge industry which you're a part of. And I, I'm, we, we talked about it a bit, but I'm curious to understand. It's an industry that is mainly masculine. As a woman, did you have to change your mannerism in order to be accepted by men? That's another great question. Um, it's not just my current gig or, or LA. It's, it's every 
from the moment I got a professional gig as a bass player till now. So for, I mean, my first gig, I was probably 16 or 17 playing all over Israel. So this is, um, you know, 20 something years ago. Um, so it's always been men and me. And as I matured, like as a kid, I thought, oh, cool, whatever. Like, I, I couldn't see the difference. As a kid, I was just like, we're just doing music. So how is gender even coming into it? And I also, it's funny, but it's like, you know, those stories about this cat that grew up with dogs and he thinks he's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know anything else. So in a way, I have, be like, I grew up in this world. So I'm sort of half dude to some extent. My sense of humor is just as bad as the guys. And <laughs> I have just certain habits. And then later, like, because I started so young, you know, I wasn't formed as a person, you know. And then as I matured in my 20s, becoming 30 and all this stuff, like I'm sort of becoming a woman and I, I was understanding much more about the, the differences between us. And I see myself as a hybrid of like... I'm someone who's very feminine. I know a lot of women in the industry who are either gay or just generally very tough. And I, I understand that you kind of need, you get tough. And I never became that way. I've always been feminine. It's just sort of who I am. But at the same time, I am, all the professional work I've done was with guys, with men, and, and yeah, it definitely shaped who I am. You know, many times in, in companies or in groups that are one-sided, let's say a bunch of men or a bunch of women, you would say, let's put one of, of another kind, so to speak. So maybe you being a woman in a band made mainly of men brings some better atmosphere, better I don't know, feeling on stage? I think so. I think so. I think when you just leave men to their own devices, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they can go a little crazy because as a man, and this is a terrible generalization, but men have this thing where they have to prove that they're a man in all these crazy, crazy ways. Hey, women, we have our own weird stuff, but it's good to have balance. It's good to have, I feel like, when I'm around men, they are themselves, but on good behavior. <laughs> I, I, in general, you know, art has no gender, and we're making art together. We are all feminine and masculine. Like, each one of us, it's not like you're purely one thing. And I think it's nice to live in 2022 where... Actually, people are allowed to define themselves as I'm somewhere in between. What an amazing time to be alive where it's like, oh, that, that exists. Like, that's okay. If we want to make the best art, I think the more we kind of come to term with like people are people and, and there's going to be women playing rock and roll. So sorry, they don't have a dick. They will still <laughs> rock out. You know, there's like... It's like a growing pains, but but I think art needs more women, just for the sake of like we haven't seen. Look at rock and roll, and and it's not just rock, but it's an easy example because yeah. it's considered masculine, and all these like four piece bands of guys, 
everywhere. Like, it's so rare. And you, you might have one woman, and it's like, oh, great, but it's the one woman. Imagine how much different, what kind of music will, will come out of having, like, bands that are made out of just a normal, like, mix of gender. Just the creativity, because women are different, and we bring other things. And I love, I love working with guys. I'm not a man hater in any way. I just think we're different and it's like lacking. I've like, I was missing that in my education, like going to Tamerlin, all my, all my teachers were men. Learning history of jazz. It's like really holiday and a bunch of dudes, etc. <laughs> it's like, I, I remember I, w- I would feel angry in a way. I was like, why can't I have like role models? that I can look up to that did what I want to do. And, and you, you know, they exist, but they shouldn't be like, let's make a list of all the women. It shouldn't be like that. It should just be open to everyone. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but I I, I, I'd like to take you a bit to, this, to the, the other side of this industry, so to speak. And you are in Hollywood, you are in the studios scene, and there's a lot of, uh, I guess, expectation of a woman, a younger woman, to look a certain way. And I'm not curious to know if, if it changed the way you appear, but I'm curious to know, did it sip into your psychology? Did, does it make you uh, more conscious of being on stage as a woman? Because I, I, And I would say it on my side, I don't think, I've never been on, on stage in Hollywood, but I don't think I would change my appearance as a man because of, I don't know, the peer pressure of this industry. And I'm, I'm curious to your side as a woman. It's, uh, I feel as a musician, less like I've never considered looking differently because I get to be in front of millions of people on camera. But I see like all the guests, all the Hollywood stars, all these movie stars, like all the guests on the show, when you look at them and you look at the gender, the men are allowed to look older and the women are not. So it's just the standard. It's not all, but most women, you can tell they've done something to look younger, and they do it because they, that's the industry. You've been on stage, many stages that are very um, prestigious. How do you deal with, with fears, with anxiety? Do you have any routine or, or something that helps you to, to deal with yourself? Because on stage, nobody knows what's in your head. It's just you with your head. So I'm curious to know how do you deal with yourself? All right. I mean, you know, after many years, you don't get nervous in the same way. There are other things that started to make me nervous, which is not performing on stage quite as much. Back when I was doing that, I definitely, excluding drugs and alcohol, <laughs> <laughs> I, would, uh, I would do yoga or exercise. Or even, there's, I, I, I believe strongly in the connection between body and mind and you can lift your energy uh, physically to control how your emotion to control how you're feeling i would do it like actually not on a big stage i remember one day i got hired to play a living room concert okay trio this drummer who i'm a big fan of and i'm going to meet I'm going to meet him for the first time and play trio, not even like there's no drum, eh, there's no drum, sorry. <laughs> there's no like guitar, keyboard, just the three of us making music kind of thing, which is out of my comfort zone already. And then, so I'm showing up to this 
reached person's living room and I'm like as uncomfortable as I can be playing music. And what I do, and it works really well, is that you trick your mind. You sort of, you, I immediately sit down and spread myself <laughs> as if I'm the most, there's something about the, the body changes how you feel. So, so that's something that always works. Um, but, the, you know, when I switch to playing on a TV show, it's all changed because the stuff that made me nervous was not seeing, I, I don't see the audience. We're just like on camera, but it's, I've never had a camera put just directly on me and having to speak on camera. It's a whole new challenge. As music, I'm sure you relate, as a musician, we're on stage and music, like we've done it all our lives. So it's like you feel more sort of, you can hide behind your talent and all that. And suddenly I was on camera and I have to talk to James and it's like, okay, that, that took a while to get used to. And do you have a spot in LA that you know you can feel like you go to that makes you calm, that gives yes. you, you know, your back your sanity? There's only one place and it's the beach. Nice. I go to look at the ocean. I don't even, you know, there are beautiful beaches in LA. I don't even go all the way to Malibu or Laguna. There's like actually beautiful. I don't even go all the way. I just go in straight line from where I live to the beach because the ocean is the ocean anywhere. And I just, being there always lifts my spirits and I always feel like a different person when I come back. spoke a bit about the fact that you didn't have many role models, a feminine role models, but you yourself nowadays, you know, you're on primetime TV. I don't know how many millions of people watch this show. You are an example. You are a model for other girls, mod um, women. I don't know. What would you like for them to take from you? Like, what do you think you convey to them that what's your biggest message or an important message? I don't know if it's big. I would say to women who get into... Any kind of work where you work mainly with guys, there's always going to be the people who are going to tell you you're not here for, because of your talent or, or they'll tell you, you you're not as good as the guys. You'll have a lot of, not, it depends, hopefully not a lot, right? But you will face some of this sort of prejudice. And as someone who's been in this industry as a musician for 30 years, I can tell you 100% that it's a lie. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. So you're going to feel like you don't belong because you are the minority. You, 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 you're different. And, and what happens when you're different and you look outside yourself, because we all are very basic creatures, right? And we want to feel like we belong. So we look at whatever is our world for the, you know, this gig, this band, this orchestra, this whatever. And we look outside and it's like, I'm not like them. And it's not just about appearance. We are different. So you're going to feel different. And what happens is like those things you heard are going to become more real. Like, oh, I am not good enough because I'm not doing it the right way. I'm not doing it like them. It's, it's easy to internalize those things. And I've done it long enough to, to know that it's a lie because, in fact you not only belong, you are necessary. 
you're needed, you're going to make a difference by showing up to this masculine environment and just being yourself. Like, be, don't, you don't need to fight anyone, but yeah, show up and be proud that you're bringing something different. Like, because I know for many years, I felt sort of like, I'll be feminine, but I'll sort of try to show them I am also like you guys, you know, I can, I can get aggressive, I can get whatever masculine stuff. And it's like, don't worry about that. Like, actually bring yourself as the imperfect package that you are because the, we're going to create a better world and better art as, you know, actually as women who, who can contribute to this pleasure, like are, we, we're desperately needed because of this, like things should not be like dominated by, by men. Art should not, you know. So now is, here's a, the same question, but the opposite way. <laughs> when you in, are in need of an advice, do you feel like you have someone you trust, you can approach and just, you know, it doesn't have to be maybe professional advice, but that you can trust, there's no judgment, you know, because you're, you're I don't want to say a celeb, but you're super famous. Can one, you know, can I, Hagal, bring my ego down to trust somebody's advice? You know, I don't know if that answers. I'm, I'm very close to my mom and we talk and I would tell her anything like about life stuff and especially when it's confusing she's so great to talk to and and her perspective I, I think she's a very wise woman and she sometimes without without even telling me anything just by talking about my life I see things more clearly when I talk to her um, she, she's kind of the person that I, I look for advice with And, and, and talking about this word, advice, looking backwards, let's say 15, 20 years ago, would you give you, the Hagar of 20 years ago an advice that would make your way easier, better? I don't know. <laughs> Is there such a thing? I would, but she wouldn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell her that, well, I don't know. It's, I think when you're young... You, you, I guess you have to make your mistakes, right? It's like how you get where you end up because <laughs> you bumped into walls and made like and failed and and sort of I know as a young person, uh, I was trying so hard in in many ways, always like putting so much into everything and you know in ways that I don't have to. And now I know it. as I, uh, when I was young, I mean, I moved to New York, right? I was twenty three. Imagine, like, I mean, uh, it's, I'm a kid. Uh, even though I, I've done a lot of professional work up until then, so I'm lucky to have that. But just like you look around and everyone is like this, everything is overwhelming and intimidating. And you feel like you have to, like, go as hard as you can, you know? So, so I love it that you're saying that because we're almost the same age, kind of, and I feel like... Nowadays, I'm at the peak of my musical abilities. Yeah. Back then, maybe 20 years ago, I was trying to prove that I'm good. Yeah. And now I feel like, okay, I'm good. There's nothing more to prove. I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love it. It's like you relax into it, and then you become the best version of yourself. There's this film called 20 Feet from Stardom. And uh, it, it talks about... Uh, Singers that are in the, in the band, 
just 20 feet from the star. And you're lucky enough to be in this band that, you know, you host probably the best and the most, uh, I don't know, famous artist. But you're still, as you said, you're in the background. You're, you're behind. Now, I'm curious because I, I have the same feeling sometimes in the orchestra. Many times I get to sit in the orchestra, play with the best, I don't know, pianists or violinists of the world. And they know me by name or saying hello. And I can always say we played together. Yeah. But we didn't really play together. They don't know how I sound and, and, and probably, you know, I'm nothing for them. And I'm curious to know what, what's it like for you? For me, many times I feel, I don't want to say disappointed, but I sometimes dream I would just invite them to my living room and we'll make some music together. <laughs> But I can't, you know, they're just, you know, they're the elite of whatever artists they are. It's such a funny thing to me. I love the way you said it. it's, it's, what is the difference between you and let's say the soloist? It's all about some people really wanted to be in the front. It's like the musicianship, sorry, is, is you're just as much a professional at what you do, but they wanted to shred in the front. You know, they wanted the attention, they went for it, and that was their dream, and you went for what you wanted. We're just musicians doing our thing. We're just artists, and, and there's no difference. Yet, <laughs> it's true. Like, we're in the back, in a way, and, and they're in the front, and they would get credit for your work as well. Exactly. For better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> so... I think uh, for many years it was perfectly what I wanted because I all I like I'm not someone who desperately wants attention. Like I'm, we all want some attention. We're artists. Like we're doing it also to sort of connect and give. And but I felt just at peace where it's like I'm giving to something that's amazing, but I'm not in the front of it. That's always felt comfortable. I think lately I'm missing um, doing something that is purely mine. And I don't know what I want to do because it, I don't even know if it will be music, maybe with some music, but other things as well. The, the, the one thing that started bothering me, yeah, I mean, we all have egos. It's always annoying to be like, if, if someone is a movie star and we just work together and they don't even say goodbye, I always feel like, yeah, okay, fuck you. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> because it's like, there's no difference. The fact that you're, but, but no, but that's silly stuff. But the, the thing that did start bothering me is that it's like, who's, you know, driving this uh, vehicle for, like, who's deciding, like, you're always supporting someone else's vision when you're doing that. I felt super comfortable doing that safe it felt like the right thing I was like I love doing stuff together as I said and now I've reached the point in my life where it's crucial that I will have my own venture and I will have to discover exactly what it is but it's um that's where I'm unhappy and I've been feeling that way for some years now like since I moved to LA I got this gig dream gig the life is incredible but I've been unhappy because I started to feel that sort of, okay, it's like I, my whole life went toward one thing and I've kind of arrived at it and I definitely, it's time to change direction. I love it that you're talking about it. I'm going to tell you a little story. When I lived in Germany, 
my very first audition to an orchestra, I got it, which is unheard of. And how, it was, how old? I was 26 or 25. I was still growing as a musician, but I got the job. I passed the audition to an orchestra in mid-Germany in a city called Bielefeld. Nobody knows where it is. There's even an internet joke that Bielefeld doesn't exist. But it was a very nice orchestra, very good job. Very good for a young guy, you know, wanting to earn some money and, and start professional life. And from the moment I got the job, I wanted to leave. Mm. I didn't like the, my being and at this place. I didn't like anything about it. And after one year and a half, I just went to the, to the boss, to the chief, and I told him I quit. And for the German uh, colleagues, it was unacceptable because for them in their logic yeah. it was you leave only when you have something else mm -hmm. and for me i needed to leave in order to be free to find what is gonna happen yes which brings me to, to this question you are now in this gig this phenomenal gig for seven almost eight years and the show is going down which is i don't know maybe happy good or bad i don't know but how do you develop a dream to go on from this super safe place. You have money in your bank account and, and people loving you and everything. And just now, I'm not saying going to be anonymous, but going to be a girl by yourself. Right. Great question. Um, but I'm, see, I'm like you because I've had, I've left every good gig that I had. I've never, no, not like, uh, I didn't leave right away. I just did things for sort of like a stretch of time long enough to feel like it sort of served its purpose. And every time I saw people around me, like you said, they like the safety of the gig and they wouldn't move unless there's something else. And I always know it's time to move on. And it's uncomfortable to be like that because you, the in-between... You have way too, way too much time to think, and I'm very, <laughs> I'm an emotional person, so I get kind of like weird emotionally in between gigs, and but I've always done it. So now it's like I've, uh, it's been seven, almost eight years. I've never been for so long in one gig. I've never wanted to stay for that long <laughs> with one thing. It's been exceptional, so I had to stay. I couldn't quit. It's like too too good, but I've been ready. I've been really ready, like, to, to sort of venture. Uh, I think that the thing I'll miss the most is the people I work with. The, having money, you know, I've been broke so many times before. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had money. Like, I've had a lot of, I would have a good gig, have money, and boom, not have money. It's, it's just, that what happens. I'm always sort of moving on, and I let go of my safety. And I've had years in New York where I would, like, put the rent from like 80 and $100 gigs here and there and just eat like carrots and and just really be on no money. But it's like, that's the cool thing where music can push you as a dream. It gives you like the juice to go. I'm less sad and scared about losing the gig as much as I am scared of what's coming up because I feel a need for a real change in my life. So it's exciting, but it's more scary. <laughs> it's super scary. <laughs> but sometimes this bring us to, brings us to the, the best of, of adventures. I think it will. I think I see it, if I can sort of 
analyze it, and I might be fully, like I might be wrong, but if there's a real thing coming up, if there's substance to it, it will make me feel scared because there's a real change. If there was no real change, I wouldn't be uncomfortable with it. It would be like, all right, I'm just sailing along life, doing the comfortable stuff that I'm doing, and hey, you know me from TV, let, give me another gig, great, yeah. see you later. But it's not what I want. And I think I'm feeling the, emo- the weight emotionally of, of, like, I want a real change. So when I moved to New York 20 years ago, it was a complete, like, I, I had, I was with Hinoam Nini in Israel. I had, where I had cool life, and I fully disconnected myself to a new place with nothing. And I'm, it's not exactly the same now, but I'm planning to move to Europe, and it's very much similar in, in that need for like complete new start. You're talking about this move and um, it makes me excited because I think that as musicians, I mean, we talked about groove, we collect musical and emotional, not the baggage, but emotional um, feelings, a bank of feelings that makes you a better person, hence a better musician. You've lived in Israel, you lived in New York, you lived in LA, you're going to live somewhere else on the planet. What maybe you are... What do you bring to the music? Like, who's a girl that is the musician? I'm, I'm curious, like, what's your, for you your biggest influence? Mm. It's funny that you say that I lived in all these places. Because, you know, if I had to ask myself, where is my home? <laughs> Usually it's easy for an Israeli to say, oh, it's Israel. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I've never felt, I think I live inside myself in a way. Okay. Like this whole ability to start a life in a new place and really observe the place. Like, like I, I'm a citizen in the U.S. I, I wasn't sort of showing up. A lot of Israelis are like, oh, I'm just going to make some money or <laughs> I'm just going to play with some cool like bands and, and then they go and have a family in Israel. And I've never had that backup plan of like you know my friends and family waits me wait there and I'm, I, it's um and especially now because in a way new york was kind of home but la brought me like i could not say no to this tv show that i, I really was happy to do but now seven years later it's still not home and i was asking myself okay so where is my home it's not new york anymore And I realized I do, I sort of have this home inside. And I think when I move to Europe, we'll see if I, hopefully I stay and it's great. (laughs) But would it be home? We'll see. Um, And I'm not answering your question. (laughs) No, but uh, yes, but but in a sense, if you're home, home is where I am. So how does it reflect in your music? Or does it, maybe it doesn't even. No, you're right. It absolutely does. Like, I often feel like, Bass is my home. And it's not like only, I, I, I love a lot of things in music, not just playing bass, but when I sit down and, and practice at home or, or at a gig or whatever, but whenever I'm playing bass, just having the bass against me is home. <laughs> it's just what happens, you know, when you play an instrument your whole life and you do it professionally or full time, there's such an intimacy, like you spend hours like getting to know this instrument and you feel such a connection. Uh, you know, actually, I 
I've been meditating all my life. And one day, many years ago, I started changing the way I practiced the bass. It, it was, I came back from tour and I had a lot of like pain in my wrists where it was hard to play. And I wanted to be able to keep playing. So I started combining meditation and practice together. Interesting. Yeah. So I started with, instead of, you know, you might play scale and stuff and you go, and I'm like, no, nothing fast, slow. And, you know, when you meditate, and you're, you, you get used to it, your, your breath slows down. It's, like, it's almost like you're asleep. Your breath is so slow. And I would just do that and practice at the same time. And it worked like magic, actually, to really get rid of any tension. Uh, but now, many years later, I'm still doing it, and I love it so much, and I, I want to start sort of teaching students that kind of way of practicing. But I think it's a big part of who I am. It's like... I am, how to say it, I'm very stubborn, like I could never be someone else. Uh, like becoming a musician, I could never sound like anyone. I know people love to be like, this is my inspiration and I can play just like this musician, this bass player. I could never do that. I have this weird, like I'm so stubborn, nothing can be played that's not me. <laughs> but. <laughs> It's not like I know who I am. Like you never, you, you, you learn who you are over time. It's a lifetime. Like you, you learn it over many years. So my whole life, I didn't know who I am, but I knew who I'm not, basically. I just, so I'm searching for that. If I'm talking to you in 10 years time, what's going to be? Where do we meet on the planet? Wow. That's the thing I absolutely don't know. Is it important for you? Or, or you are going carte blanche? Well, it's, it's the most important thing. I, I, it's like my life is going to shift to a new thing. I just don't know what it is. It's, you know, it's a very weird thing for me because the one thing I've had where I described to you as a teenager having crazy like dreams, I knew what I wanted and I always knew and I think that was one of my secret sort of the, the reasons so many things did happen that like are so hard, like it's so hard to get a big gig. And I constantly got some cool stuff happening and again and again. And I think one of the things that helped so much is that I really was, I, I had a very clear vision of where I want to go. When you have a vision, it's a huge part of things actually happening. If you can see it happening, boom, you have some magic sauce, you know. <laughs> it's not all, but <laughs> but if you don't see where you're going, so it's 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 a problem, and I don't know where I'm going. So so that's maybe why I'm scared. But I think sometimes, and especially for me as someone who always knew, it's good to not know. Like I'm actually going to start a journey in a new continent and see where it takes me. Like and for a change, not know where I'm going or what I want to do, and maybe I'll write a little bit and figure it out i love it I, i can't wait to meet you in 10 years and see let's what happens definitely meet in 10 years <laughs> and reassess if i made the right <laughs> the right choice it will be for sure the right choice it will be i'm sure of it <laughs> i hope we will meet in 10 years time and i will discover your wonderful i don't know whatever you're going to create very sweet thank you i i absolutely love talking to you this is unexpected <laughs> thank you i'm so happy i got to meet hagao benari We probably should have met many years ago. Play some music together. 
I would love to hear from you your thoughts about this episode. So feel free to do so on the Facebook page, Strings Attached Podcast, or email me at asafpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Asaf Maoz, and thanks for listening to Strings Attached. Thank you.